0: Sometimes we don't understand what he's doing till weeks or days or months later. But readers digest in this article stated that the people who keep a gratitude journal, they sleep better, they live in a better mood, and they have better relationships with others. And all of the li- wives are buying their husbands gratitude journals for Christmas, right? Who doesn't want to sleep better? Who doesn't want to, uh, you know, be in a better mood and and have better relationships with others? In his book, Natural Cures, Kevin Thredau states being thankful reduces stress, which is a main contributor to illness. So what are you thankful for? Uh, Anybody want to give a word of testimony real quick? Just one little, I'm thankful for this. Thank you for what? Salvation. Salvation. Amen. All right. Someone else? Thankful to be here. Amen. Uh, years ago, they did this thing on the Internet, and you can look all this up, but uh, they asked these children what you were thankful for, and a little fourth-grade boy said, I'm thankful that I wear glasses. And the teacher asked him, "Son, why are you thankful you wear glasses?" He said, "Because none of the girls want to kiss boys who wear glasses." (laughs) Isn't that good? And they asked in a church service, they you know they were giving testimonies, Thanksgiving testimonies. And one old man, uh, they said, "What are you thankful, sir, for, sir?" He said, "I'm thankful that the Lord has left me two teeth, and they meet." (laughs) Is that good? I mean, think about the implication there. And uh, then they asked us, you know, there were twin brothers, and both of them were in their, like, 60s, and uh, one of them's name was Jack, one of them's name was John. The testimony service came. Jack, what are you thankful for? Preacher, I'm thankful that not everybody sees like I see, because if everybody saw like I saw, then everybody would want my Mary. And immediately his brother's hand went up. What are you thankful for? He said, I'm thankful that not everybody sees like I see, preacher. Because if everybody sees like I see, wouldn't nobody want his Mary. Amen. All right. Does your thankfulness affect your actions? You you know, we've spent a whole weekend talking about being thankful. How does that affect us uh, in our day by day? Uh, The history of Thanksgiving in America was born out of a sense that all good things come down from the Father. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow or turning. So the history of our American Thanksgiving holiday. The first Thanksgiving originated in a small town called Plymouth when Governor William Bradford called for a celebratory feast to mark the first successful corn harvest after a difficult winter. The celebration of the harvest lasted around three days. That's the way your Thanksgiving goes? I'm still eating the turkey, I'm on the fourth day, okay? The tradition of a yearly Thanksgiving feast did not become official until President George Washington declared that the nation would celebrate with the day of Thanksgiving on November 26th, 1789. President Abraham Lincoln wrote a proclamation declaring that all states in the Union would celebrate the day in 1863, and then President Franklin D. Roosevelt signed a resolution from Congress on December the 26, 1941, that moved the official date of Thanksgiving from the last Thursday in November to the 4th, so we could watch college football. Governor Bradford of Massachusetts made his first Thanksgiving proclamation. This is three years after the pilgrims settled at Plymouth. I thought this was very good and I wanted to share this with you. In as much as, and this is what he, the proclamation that he wrote, in as much as the great father has given us this year an abundant harvest of Indian corn, wheat, peas, beans, squashes, garden vegetables, He has made the forest to abound with game and the sea with fish and clams. And and inasmuch as he has protected us from the ravages of the savages, he has spared us from pestilence and disease, has granted us freedom to worship God according to the dictates of our own conscience. Do you see that in America, from the very beginning, thanksgiving was born out of a thankful heart, to an almighty God. Second Corinthians 9.15. The Bible instructs us. Thanks be unto God. For his unspeakable gifts. Uh, Philippians 4.6. Be careful for nothing. But in everything. By prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving. Let your request be known unto God. Psalms 100, verse number 4. Enter into his greats with thanksgiving and new his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. A lot of things happened 200 years. And I sometimes wonder, are we still the thankful people that we were in those early years of America, almost 300 years ago now? When we thanked God for even the fish in the sea, or the deer in the woods, uh, or, and you may like clams, I'm not that big a fan, but even the clams. Here's Here's the top man of the country coming to a place where he's going to acknowledge the fact that just getting them through the winter was a mighty act of God. And so sometimes it does us good to stop at Thanksgiving, to look back over this last year and to thank God for what He did, even, even the things we take for granted. Second Timothy chapter three, and by the way, uh, one of the sins of the last day is going to be unthankfulness. Second Timothy three, two, the Bible says, for men shall be lovers of their own self. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy. Again, in Romans chapter 1 and verse number 21, he says, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful. They became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Here in Luke 17, let Sister Linda read it just a moment ago. Ten men come to Jesus in the worst possible way. All ten of them are healed, all ten leave rejoicing, and only one returns to bow in thankfulness. So I want you to look in the morning at the need that was in their life. They had a condition called leprosy. You and I don't hear a whole lot about leprosy nowadays. Leprosy was the death nail of that day and that hour. If a person had leprosy... There was no cure. There was no hope. If a person uh, went to the temple, and th- this is what transpired, the priest would examine the spot or the blotch on his skin. If the priest deemed that he had leprosy, that man immediately had to leave his house. It did not matter that he had a wife and four kids, depending upon him. He had to leave the town. He could not any longer reside on the inside of the city limits. Everywhere he went, he had to cry out when he saw somebody approaching with a very loud voice, unclean, unclean, unclean. In other words, don't come near me. Or the same thing that I've got is going to be happening to you. It is such a a debilitating disease that many times when lepers wrap their body parts with rags because of the constant oozing of body fluids, When they unwrap those rags, many times a finger will come off in the rag. The ears will come off. The lips come off. The nose comes off. Leprosy is such a terrible, terrible disease. You and I in America, we don't comprehend this, but there are still many leper colonies in Africa even today. People who have this disease really realize that there's not a whole lot of hope. They begin to cry, verse number 13, unclean. Unclean, uh, lifting up their voice, they recognize that Jesus is coming. And so they begin to ask for mercy. Not that they're going to do anything that's going to deserve what they're asking for. This is all about grace. This is all about mercy. These people have no hope. But somehow, somebody had told them about Jesus. Jesus. And the fact in Luke chapter 5 and again in Luke chapter number 7, he had healed people that had leprosy. And so they began to cry out in verse number 13 for mercy. They're asking him to do something for them. Have you asked the Lord to do anything for you this week? Is it merited on what you're going to do for him? Are you trying to make deals with God? I will if you will God. I'll, I'll turn over a new leaf. I'll try harder. I'll serve you better Lord. I'll commit more to you. I'll be this. I'll, if you will just do this. There is no, there's no bargaining with these men. They have absolutely nothing to offer. And I have found in my Christianity, That God doesn't bargain. I find in my Christianity. The answer to my needs. When I come before him. Helpless. Hopeless. God I can't do this. I can't figure this out. I am already at the end of my rope. I have no hope. And that's when God steps in. Why does he do it that way? Because when it happens, he gets all the glory. Amen. That's the way it's supposed to work. God taking care of his children. The word that the uh, lepers use is the Greek word epistates. Uh, it's the same word that's used by Peter in 1 Peter 5.5. 5. It literally means chief commander. Uh, In order to receive the mercy that they so much desired, they were willing to recognize what many people don't. He is not only the right source, he's the only source. And when they came before him, they recognized him as Lord. He is not on their equal. He is not on the same plane with them. They bow in reverence before him, Lord, you are our master. The next thing we see in this passage of scripture is the ten men that are healed. Compassion of Jesus, verse 14, the Bible says, and he saw them. It literally means that he looked upon them. He took notice of them. Nobody else would take a notice. As they cried out unclean and you and I had been there, we would have been walking the other way. We would have been doing our best not even to look in their direction. But the Bible says Jesus, when He heard their cry, looked upon them. Several years ago I read an article about a a little girl that was in the doctor's office, in the pediatrician's office, and everybody was there with their children. This little girl had Down's syndrome, and it was an advanced case. She was drooling, and uh, she was unable to speak, and she was just there, and uh, it was a bad situation, and everybody else in the room was not looking at her. All the other mamas were entertaining their children, with the exception of this one little boy. He could not take his eyes off of her. Mama did everything she could to distract him. I mean, people were beginning to stare at the little boy as he gazed at that little girl. And finally, Mama said, son, don't, don't, don't don't look, look at me. And the little boy looked up at his Mama and said, oh, but Mama, doesn't she have beautiful brown eyes? You see, he saw what nobody else sees. And that's the way Jesus works in our lives. Uh, you, you, You might ask my wife, and she probably has those days when she can't really find anything good to say about me, okay? But do you realize that there's never a day that Jesus doesn't have something good to say about you? There's never a day that he doesn't look into your heart and sees the good. In fact, what you find is that God values you so much that he was willing to let his son die for you. That's how great a price he was willing to pay for you. you look at this passage of scripture, the compliance. Uh, Jesus told them, verse number 14, uh, go show yourself to the priest. This was what was supposed to happened. If a man got healed of leprosy, according to uh, numbers, he was to go and show himself to the priest and the priest would pronounce himself himself. Clair pronounced the man clean, and he could go back to his wife, he could go back to his family, go back to his job, he could move back into his house. And so they turned, and the Bible says, as they went. Have you ever noticed that? They were not healed immediately. They did not say, uh, Jesus, have mercy upon them. He said, okay, be healed. That's not what happened. What happened is that they said, Lord, we need to be healed. You are the master. Please have mercy upon us. And he said, okay, stipulation, go show yourself to the priest. And the Bible says, as they were going, they looked at themselves. There's no change. The rags are still there, but as they are going, and it's an act of faith. And don't you find God doing the same thing with us? We're saying, God, we need you to do this. We need you to fill our bucket. And God comes back and says, we'll turn the bucket over. (laughs) Act by faith. Give and it shall be given unto you. Press down, running over. Prove me now herewith. Malachi 3.10, saith the Lord of hosts. See if I'll not open the portals of heaven, pour you out blessings. You don't have room enough to receive, but that's a stipulation. Upon bringing all your tithes into the storehouse. God's saying, if you trust me. Step out. I'll not profess you before my Father which is in heaven if you will not profess me before men. The condition is there. And so we, by faith, live in compliance. As they went. Can't you see this? It's a miracle. You've got to use your mind. They're there, they're unclean, they're wrapped, they're nasty, they're dirty, putrefying sores have filled their bandages. Their their life is condemned, they have no hope, they cry out for mercy, and Jesus says, go and show yourself to the priest. And so they turn, as they're going to the priest, this miracle begins to transpire in their life. And the bandages begin to fall off. And the freshness of new life begins to fill their bodies And those things, those noses that have fell, fallen off, begin to grow back. And those ears are beginning to come back. And as they are going, the Bible says, a notable change takes place in their life. Here's a question for you. Since you met the Lord, has there been a notable change in your life? Are you different because you are a recipient of his mercy? You say, preacher, is that important? I think so. Second Corinthians 5.17, the Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Is there a notable change since you have become a recipient of mercy? Of the ten... Verse 15 states that only one returned to give thanks to God. He recognized his blessings just like the others. He returned when they didn't. He was willing to step away from his crowd. Isn't that good? When you become a recipient of the mercy of God and you are changed... Are you willing to leave those that you once walked with behind? Are you willing to step away from that crowd that brings you down? Why was he willing to step away from this crowd? Two things are mentioned in our text. First and foremost, verse 15, the Bible says he came and he gave glory God he realized that his healing was not in his keeping he didn't go home and take medicine to get better he realized that he had been healed and he wants to give God all the glory which is a scriptural mandate Psalms 107 verse 22 and let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing think about what the Bible says let them those who have received the mercy of God. Sacrifice. Do we think about thanksgiving as being a sacrifice? When you sacrifice something, you're offering it up. You, it's costing you something. Has it cost you anything this week to, to be in a spirit of thanksgiving? Somebody said, yes, I went to the grocery store. It cost me a lot. No, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about getting to that place where you do without something, you're willing to give your time, you're willing to take away from, from some of the activities that you would much rather be doing to stop and come before God and to offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving before him. Again, in in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks unto his name. Again, sacrifice for thanksgiving. Not only that, but the Bible says he came not only to, to praise God, but verse 16 says that he's giving him thanks. And it, and it delineates this. He comes and he and he and he's thankful to God, but he's also thankful to Jesus because that's the 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 person that that spoke into his life. And uh, because of his thankfulness, he is moved to come and to bow at the feet of Jesus. The Greek word that's used here is the word sozo. It's so uh, Jesus looks at him in verse number 19, and we're going to talk about the question in just a moment. But he looks at this man and he makes this statement. He says, thy faith has made you whole. It's the same word that Jesus used when he talked to the woman who had washed his feet and anointed them with oil. In Luke chapter 7 and verse 50, your faith has made you whole. It is a, it's a word that literally means that, that you've been made complete. The other ten, the other nine of the ten, were healed. They went and showed themselves to their their priests. Their bodies had been changed. There's definitely something took place in them. But this one person came back, offering the sacrifice of praise. He knelt in the presence of the Lord Jesus. He gave thanks to God the Father. And in the process of this, Sozo, you have been made whole. Not just a bodily healing, but a spiritual healing. The great question of this verse to me is verse 17. Jesus, looking at this one leper who has turned and come back, having already been healed, now giving praise to glory of God, asked the question, were there not ten healed? And the implication is that Jesus expected all ten to come. And only one came. I wonder what the expectation of our Lord is this morning, the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Now we've had three days where we have uh, celebrated the bounty. We've thanked God for all that he's done. Are we going to come before him with thanksgiving Are we're going to offer him the sacrifice of praise that he so much desires? Are we the one? Are we more like the nine who said, thank you, Lord, and went about their business? Well, preacher, I just don't have a whole lot to be thankful for, you know. I mean, things could be a whole lot better. Well, I listed some things that you and I might could say thankful for, be thankful for this morning. First and foremost, and Linda's already said this, our salvation. Do you understand the glorious hope that we have? Because God in grace and mercy looked down upon us and he saw us just as he saw these lepers with no hope, no future, nothing And in mercy and in grace, he opened up the doors of heaven. He said, you can be saved. I love that, don't you? Romans 10, 13, for the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I believe that's the verse that God put in the Bible for me. I believe had he put it in the Bible, uh, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord might be saved, I would have probably messed it up. So he took away all of the mites and all the ifs and ands and buts. And he said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? Amen. I mean, listen, I've always been one of those guys. Let's put it together. And then if it don't work out, we'll go back and read the directions. Are you like that? But thank God. The directions are, 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 are right here in front of us. Just call upon him. You can't mess this up, Bill. Secondly, I would, I would like to thank him for his security, amen. He is able, to, the book of Jude said he's able to keep us from falling. You know why he put that in there? Because I'm prone to fall. Hello, do like this. Romans chapter nine, number 8, the Bible says that he has secured me, the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love John 10, 10. He said he put me in his hand. And then he put his hand around, God's, God put his hand around Jesus' hand. And he said, and no man's able to pluck you out of my hand. And somebody got to say, oh, but you can jump out, preacher. Aren't you a man? And no man is able to pluck you out of the hand of God. I love him because he secured me. But but also, I love him because of his supply. Has he met any needs in your life lately? I mean, you know... Not not the average day-to-day, thank God we got up and we had breakfast. No, I'm talking about those things that come in your life that there is no way you can f- figure this out. You, you, you can't see how this is going to, this is beyond your capability and comprehension. And God in a supernatural way begins to move into your heart, into your life. He's done so many things in my life like that. When I was in the sixth grade. I had a very bad speech impediment, a lisp. And, uh, my sixth grade teacher wrote on the back of my report card, this boy is so shy and he cannot speak and he will probably never graduate from high school. Isn't that a blessing? eh, Amen? I wish she was still alive. I'd like to preach to her one time. What about strength in time of troubles? Are you thankful for that? Unction, that, that strength that he brings into our life when we can't go any further. It, it, listen, if you've ever had a rebellious teenager, you know what it's like to live a life without strength. When you can't do anything. And the Lord gives you one more day. The Lord gives you one more day. The Lord gives you one more day. If you've ever lived with a mate, who has an incurable disease, or if you have had an incurable disease. And the Lord gives you one more day. And the supply and the strength. And then I want to thank him for his presence in the time of storms. You ever gone through any storms? <laughs> I love Acts, the 27th chapter, where they're there in the midst of the storm and, 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 you know, it's, it's a hurricane and Paul's on the ship and, and, and they haven't eaten in several days and there's no hope. And the Bible literally says that they had given up all hope and Paul stands up in the midst of them and said, Hey guys, uh, be of good cheer. Isn't it always good that God sends somebody around to sign, cheer you up during those times? He said, be of good cheer for this night. There has stood beside me the messenger, the angel of God. And he told me that that we're going to be all right. Isn't that good? Always something to think about. Always something to, to thank God about. Matthew Henry, when he was a young man, uh, going to school... He was robbed. He was mugged. That's the word we would use nowadays. And uh, he went to his professor there at the college. And he said, I don't understand this. I'm doing everything right. I'm studying hard. I'm going to class. And I don't have anything. And yet, I get mugged. does not God love me? And uh, so the professor asked him to write a paper. And in the process of writing this paper, he was to list at least four things that he was thankful for. For out of the experience of being robbed. And these are the four things that he wrote. He said, I was robbed, but thank the Lord I have never been robbed before. This is my first time. It's pretty good. Secondly, he said, uh, even though he took my money, he did not take my life. That's a pretty good thankful thing. Thirdly, <laughs> I love this. He took all I had. But that wasn't very much. (laughs) And fourthly, and this causes you to think, I'm thankful that it was I who was robbed and not I who had to rob. Yeah. Sometimes we're in those situations where we are forced to do things That we would never ever do. Just to feed our family. And even though we are in the lap of luxury in America. There are some people going through hardships. There are some people that are struggling. And in the midst of our thankfulness. We need to be searching them out. We need to be going to those as Jesus went to these ten lepers. I don't think it was by chance those ten lepers just came down the road that day. I don't believe in happenstance in the Bible. I believe he is a sovereign God who doeth all things well. And he made himself available to ten. And ten received healing. But only one returned to give him thanks. If he's done anything for you, shouldn't you be the one That would come and and offer the sacrifice of praise. Shouldn't you be the one who would step away from the crowd? Shouldn't you be the one who would recognize the change and give glory to God? And isn't that where Thanksgiving begins? Right? So we have a couple of minutes. And I just wonder if there's anyone here who would like to just stand up and give God the sacrifice of praise for what he's done.